to a lot of people across the country. So um, I think the words that you say are incredibly important. Thanks for listening to Noise Filter, your public health podcast. Stay well out there, folks, and continue taking steps to keep yourself and your loved ones healthy. That includes exercise, a good diet, getting adequate sleep, and seeing your healthcare providers regularly. And protect yourself and others by getting the COVID-19 vaccine and booster, wearing a mask, and social distancing wherever possible. Remember, health is a human right. Society of the United States, and you're listening to KBOO Portland. KBOO Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBOO Community Radio's open meeting policy is available on our website at kboo.fm. Due to the temporary closure of in-station activity at KBOO, meetings will be conducted online via public video conferencing unless otherwise noted. A public link and phone number to attend the meetings are available on our website. The Program Advisory Committee meets quarterly on the second Tuesday of March, June, September, and December at 6 p.m. Please visit our website at kboo.fm to verify if a meeting is being held. You're listening to All Thrills, No Frills, Volume 2, KBOO's special programming campaign. Check out all the special programs we're bringing you in February and March at kboo.fm slash thrills. Help us reach our goal of $17,000 by March 25th. You can go to kboo.fm slash give or text us. Type in KBOO to the number 44321 for the thrill of it all. Keep listening. Good evening. You're listening to Transpositive here on KBOO Community Radio. Uh, today we're talking with Deborah Porta of Pride Northwest. Uh, Deborah, welcome to Transpositive. Hi, Emma. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Thanks. So, Deborah, before we start, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself um, and what you do? Uh, I am, my name is Deborah, uh, she, they, and I am the executive director for Pride Northwest here in Portland. 
I've uh, been with the organization since 2007, uh, began as a volunteer, served on the board of directors, and am our first executive director now. Oh, great thing. So. so so, you basically put together the Pride Festival, among other things. Among, yes, among other things. Uh-huh. Yeah, great. Um, so part of the reason we're having you on pretty early, because um, I know it's a long time till the Pride Festival, is just so people can um, kind of mark their calendars because there's going to be a big change this year. And I was wondering if you could tell us about it. Sure. Um, starting this year, 2023, uh, we are moving the Portland Pride Waterfront Festival and Parade to July. Uh, 2023 will be the 15th and 16th, still Saturday, Sunday. Um, this is a move that we hadn't planned to pursue again because we've looked at this in the past multiple times. We were going to look at it again for 2024 um, because we've never been able to do it. When we've looked at it before, That Portland is a huge event city. It's a huge tourism city. And there's never been space on the waterfront calendar for us to move our dates. And there is nothing else in this area large enough with enough infrastructure to handle something the size of Portland Pride, another venue, right? So we've been kind of stuck in this well. And then uh, in communication with the city late last year, it became apparent that some space had opened up in the waterfront in July. There were events that don't happen anymore, basically. Uh, so we went with it. We jumped at it. We've um, Every year in our traditional dates in June, we, and it's all based on when Memorial Day falls, we're always, we're always a certain number of weeks after Memorial Day. It was never a specific date that we had. And invariably, we overlapped with, could be Father's Day, Juneteenth. Uh, we've always been aware of the over periodic overlap with Juneteenth, but most people didn't actually pay attention to that until it became a holiday. Um, we've always been very cognizant of it. Same goes for the Delta Park powwow, which hasn't happened since 2019, but is coming back in 2023. So there are these overlaps with other major cultural celebrations and and although we've communicate in the background with those organizers and community and this and that, because we're all doing, have all been doing, I should say, the biggest thing that we do, we can never actually talk to each other or coordinate or support each other, any of these things. And no matter how much we would like to, 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 to think that it's easy to say, well, there's space for everyone, which there kind of is. It doesn't do a lot of good if we can't actually work together to make those spaces with each other. And um, so when the opportunity came, we jumped at it. Oh, that's great. So um, if Pride is moving to July, will it be doing anything to promote Juneteenth since it's not conflicting with Juneteenth for a change? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of our biggest Juneteenth, the powwow, other things. Um, I'm actually having lunch with Juneteenth in a couple of weeks. Uh, but that's one of our that's one of our primary focuses is being able to utilize our spotlight in June to lift up everything that's happening. Because although there are folks that see our communities as being either or, there's significant overlap. There isn't any other community on the planet that doesn't have our people in it. And so if we can utilize our space and our spotlight to, to celebrate those, those intersections and, uh, and the efforts around all of the various parts of our cultures, right? Um, that is super exciting for us. Thank you. Um, what is, uh, what has the response been so far uh, to this change of time from uh, people who have, you know, been going to Pride for a long time from from the community? How are people responding to it? Um, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, there's always going to be, you know, we, we think of June as being Pride Month. And honestly, that's not changing. 
in our mind, we're just going to celebrate for two months instead of one. Um, and so there's always that, oh, it's changed. It's big. It's weird. And so there's, you know, there's been a little bit of that, but the vast majority of folks are excited about the opportunity that changing our dates gives the community, as well as, in all honesty, the likelihood that the weather will be just a lot nicer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I remember my first Pride Festival, it was like freezing cold and gray and rainy. Well, my we, first we, Pride Festival in Oregon. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, we've had rain before. We've even had a thunderstorm here and there. We've never had anything like 2022. We've never had a mud pit. It was just... It was oh, yeah, I forgot that. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> fascinating. But even that, you know, we think of weather like that's a as a as a side benefit but in our case for us it has really the timing of the festival on the tail end of rose festival and cinco before that cinco de mayo by the time we've been happening uh on the waterfront although the city considers the waterfront park to be quote accessible not so much you know, it's either super sandy or it's, as we saw, it's muddy. It's all of these things. And we are pretty completely prohibited from doing anything on the grounds, laying anything down, laying something as simple as, hey, we can't lay hay down because we can't introduce a foreign, foreign material into the park. We can't, um, we haven't been able to, uh, there are temporary um, hole fillers. There's all these things that we could do. The city forbids all of that. And uh, when we, we've been researching, we began making plans for, okay, temporary pathways, right? They don't work in the mud. They're dangerous. They slip and it's just, so it just became one complication over the other. Um, so that's the other thing that we, we think of the, of the weather as being, yay, it'll be nice. But it really is literally the difference between can we make the park accessible, can we not make the park accessible. So that's another huge focus this year in bringing in um, temporary pathways across the festival site for uh, for chairs, walkers, you know, mobility devices um, that we're finally able able to do that. And that is that is part of our planning this year. What are those temporary pathways going to look like? Um, well, there's several different kinds, and we're going to be using, uh, as, as weird as it sounds, sometimes it comes down to, is there enough available for such a large site? So we're working with uh, a company out in Oregon City, um, I believe, I forget. Uh, our logistics folks manager takes care of most of the details. But it's, it's going to be a combination at this point of there are these... Um, rolls they roll out you know it's one extended pathway and so there are chunks of that that'll be placed and interlocked one after the other and then there are some other kinds of of temporary path materials that are more piece by piece that will build you know intersections with and turnarounds and this kind of stuff so it'll be a combination of materials oh great so let's talk about um, the event. Uh, oh, so yeah, a couple of other questions, just mm-hmm. in case people are curious. Is the so is the Pride Parade moving too? Then yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and when is the Pride Parade going to be now? So it'll be on uh, July sixteenth for twenty twenty three, um, and we will be going back to the um, to the route that we had in twenty nineteen. Twenty twenty last year was an exception because we wanted to include the mural that we hadn't been able to celebrate since we unveiled it because it happened in the middle of the pandemic. So we changed the route a little bit to be able to go by the mural and include it in the parade celebration. And that was a one year effort. So we're going back to, you know, a little bit of Broadway, a little bit of Burnside, Davis, uh, NATO Parkway. And that'll be on the 16th. 11 o'clock in the morning that part okay. is it is it too late for people to sign up to be in the parade no no not at all registration hasn't even opened yet oh uh, great okay we're definitely or even even if we hadn't moved to july registration wouldn't be open yet um 
registration is we're scheduling and obviously things happen. It's all about getting all about the website being ready, basically. Uh, but it'll be the end of March. Great. And what about the other two kind of signature events that usually happen around the Pride? Well, there's so many, but um, what about the uh, the Trans March and the Dyke March? Are those moving too? Um, they are. Yeah, we've been in communication with both both um, organizing groups for, for both of those events. And, um, you know, I think there's still a little bit of a transition-ish year happening. Um, you know, the Trans March didn't happen in 2022. Uh, totally understood why. But it's uh, the plan is for it to happen this year. Uh, so this will be the first one coming back from the pandemic and people are getting reorganized and all of these things. So, um, but it will be the same weekend as uh, Portland Pride, the July 15, 16. Oh, great. What about all of the other events that kind of happen around Pride? I mean, I know that there's a lot of events that have been going on for years. Uh, are, are those events all moving? Or are they kind of still think, staying in June? What's going on with that? I think we'll see some of both because most of that isn't organized by us. So we, um, that's kind of what I mean when I say, you know, we're going to, now we celebrate for two months instead of one, because I think some things will remain in June. Um, and then other things will, will move to July. And I think my expectation is that in 2023, this year, that again, this in terms of thinking in terms of transition, I think folks are going to have their events when it works best for them to have their events. And that may look different 2024 when we all have more time to plan ahead. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of a, a rolling. Great. Can't see where it goes. So uh, just for like our listeners who maybe, uh, can you talk a little bit about what is the history of pride? I mean, um, you, you mentioned that you know June is, is June even when the 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 events that sort of commemorate the start of Pride even happened. When when did those events happen, and why why is Pride? I mean, some places celebrate Pride in September, some do it in you know June. It's it, it seems like it just kind of goes on all summer. And it does. It goes on. Pride actually, when you when you take into account Prides around the country and around the world. Most pride celebrations are actually scheduled in accordance to what the best weather situation is in those areas. Uh, Palm Springs, for example, which a lot of our community goes to Palm Springs, this in October. Um, Dallas Pride, Dallas is where I'm from, uh, that's in September. You know, really, no one wants to be in Dallas hanging out 110 degrees, you know, so they're going to wait till September. Um, there are some prides that are in March, April. It's, it's almost every month, depending on where you're looking. Um, pride month is traditionally June because when the first pride marches were being planned, it, Stonewall happens. And so when folks began choosing dates, New York, LA, uh, and I think Philadelphia, um, Stonewall became kind of a... Uh, a sort of a no-brainer commemorative date, if that makes sense, um, that just sort of made it easy to plan around and to organize around and to remember. Um, and so that's where June being Pride Month comes from because Stonewall happened in June. And so they're very closely tied together because of the timing of everything. How, how has the culture of Pride changed since the original? I mean, I, I was I was watching um, a very natural thing the other day. It was really interesting. And they had some of the first Pride marches from like the early 70s. How mm -hmm. has Pride changed like in Portland, for instance, from when it first started to where we're at now? Um, well, I can, I can only speak in terms of my own experience from the early 2000s. Uh, Pride has been held in, in Portland since the early-ish 70s with the first, uh, quote, official Pride March, Pride Parade in 1976 outside Martin, downtown. Um, I mean, one of the most obvious changes is size. It's a significant event 
in the city of Portland. And we have community and allies come from all up and down the West Coast, from overseas, from across the country. People come here for Portland Pride. And um, so that's a big one, is the size. And the, I'm not sure how to word this, the relevance of Pride to the larger community paying attention to our community, whether that's elected officials, policymakers, decision makers, social leaders, all of these folks that pay attention to pride. And while I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, the whole slap a rainbow on for a day thing is real, it's absolutely real. It's it's not the driver behind who I see participating in and supporting Pride, at least not here. Um, pride, the, the, for me, the biggest change that I've seen, at least in my experience, is that, how do I word this? Pride has become two things. One, it is the entry point for the larger community quite often to actually for the first time engage with our community with our people it's not it's not and not just the i say just and not even immediately into supporting mode it's literally quite often the first interaction with our community and because it is generally speaking fun and engaging and there's energy and all these things there's a for better for worse there's a certain element of safety i think for for folks outside of our community to to be okay coming and interacting with our community for the first time uh in an environment that seems okay to do it in it's i'm not sure how else to say that um, and, you know, the, the, the other change that I see, at least in this region with pride is that, is that people pay attention to it. Um, you know, when through the pandemic, it became really uncomfortably quickly clear how easy our community is ignored when we're not visible. We're no longer at the decision-making tables. We're no longer being engaged by policymakers. Um, you know, there's, I, I witnessed it. And, uh, and that just reinforced for me how important our visibility is. So the, the, one of the most significant, and I'm not even sure if change is the right word, but one of the most significant sort of recognitions of pride today is how much difference it makes to have a pride and to have so many of our community all in one place, all at the same time, because people do actually really pay attention to that. Um, I remember a number of years back, uh, a tr some, some, meeting I was at and this was talked about that there's a really there's a direct correlation between the size and visibility of a pride in a town or city and the health and well-being of the community there there's a direct correlation there the more visible we are the more things tend to go better for us basically in in all of the different markers obviously that's not uh, you know, across the board, that doesn't mean that we're, you know, sitting pretty in this city because we're not. Um, but there's a there's a very direct connection there. Hard.
Hi, this is Emma. Um, I am a co-host of Transpositive, and I'm also the current president of the board of directors here at KBU. KBU, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Your friends at KBU want to remind you that generosity has the same power. Join thousands of KBU supporters from all around the world, and let's rally together to build stronger communities. If you can, just go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo to this number 44321. And thanks so much for your support of KBOO Community Radio. I'm, you know, I'm curious, Deborah, because I think that a lot of people would imagine that Portland is, you know, kind of like, I mean, one of those places where things are going well. I mean, when you look at what's happening in other states around the country right now uh you know trans kids are under attack like all around the country i mean there's i i just left uh tennessee uh a few days ago i was down there visiting family and on the day that i left the state legislature voted to make gender affirming care illegal for mm-hmm. trans kids and also there's this one county in tennessee giles county where they just voted to make it illegal to do drag performances Wow. And this isn't, I mean, this isn't, there, there's literally hundreds of pieces of legislation, mostly mm-hmm. popping up in more Midwestern, Southern, and rural states, um, you know, trying to trying to push back the clock on trans rights yeah. and on, yeah. on LGBTQ rights more generally. I mean, it's not just mm-hmm. trans kids that are under attack. They're also going after, you know, drag queens and they're going after LGBTQ people. There was a ruling... Uh, just, I think it was yesterday, um, taking away parental rights from a lesbian mom. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what's like, it, it seems like Portland, you know, Oregon, we just elected a lesbian governor. We just had a bisexual governor. I mean, it seems like things are going really well in Oregon, but maybe they're not. Um, I think it's more a matter of, uh, it, um, Things, things in, in Oregon, and specifically in the Portland area, are better than lots and lots of other places. But that does, that's not the same thing as everything is okay. And I think that's where we kind of drop off a little bit. We get a little, we get a little bit complacent here. Um, you know, you're talking about um, legislation in all these other states and this and that and then we all we have to do is look down the road at at Newburgh and the school district there um just a couple of years ago looking down south at um well there's a couple of places but there's very direct efforts in this state to to undermine and discriminate and push back um they just don't gain the kind of traction they do in other other regions because we have done the work so far to ensure that we have strong protections. Um, Washington is the same way for a lot of folks. So I had a, but, I, but at the same time, I had a meeting earlier today with uh, a mom of two trans kids in Battleground. And she's relating her story of, of battling with the, um, the school district there. And you know, one of her kids dropped out of school because it couldn't handle it anymore, you know, and, and, or, and they shouldn't have had to, to begin with. Um, so it's not far, it's not far away from here. You know, you move outside the court, the Portland bubble and Oregon is just like East Texas for me. You know? Oh yeah. Like two thirds of Oregon wants to secede from Oregon. Right. They, you know, they went over to Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Where, like women, I mean, where people who get pregnant can't get an abortion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even in Portland, we, we struggle, you know, this whole, we had begun some work around food insecurity before the pandemic. But when the pandemic hit, we became very actively engaged in housing and security supporting our houseless community, all of these things, food insecurity, and um, and that engagement has continued to grow in the last three years. And just as an example, 
no matter how anyone feels about how the city is addressing um, the housing crisis or, or, you know, folks living outside or tent, no matter how we feel about the thing itself, what is important to me that, that our community should really recognize is that nothing about what the city of Portland wants to do to address the crisis actually addresses LGBTQIA2S plus housing crisis. We're literally not, our, our own particular needs and experiences when it comes to shelters, housing, being able to access housing, et cetera, et cetera. None of that has been taken into account. And I don't know a single person, and I'm not gonna pretend that I know everybody in town, but I know a lot of people. I don't know anyone who's actually been in the planning inside the city Mm. or the major camps that are coming down the pike or that they're trying to have come down the pike or any of that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not even a, a consideration in those plans and it didn't take very long to get there. Right. Even in Portland. So, um, that's, that's shocking to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, there's, that was a, it's a huge wake up call for me. And so this, I'm, I'm repeating this constantly now for that our community should really recognize that yes things are better here but they're not nearly where we think they are mm-hmm. and 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 our own vigilance um, needs to come up basically yeah yeah I mean we're we're sort of like I, I don't want to get too far into politics even though I could go there very easily with you as you know <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, it, you know, and, and I would love to interview you another time, talk maybe about some of that, because I know that you've played a role in different things, like you were part of the um, planning group that helped to create these uh, city council districts that we have now. And I'd love to talk to you about that some other time. Sure. But um, sure. with uh, with Pride itself, um, what are we looking at this? What oh, Here, I've, I've got one that actually I can do that definitely touches on pride um what is pride going to be doing this year to address the homeless crisis do do does northwest does pride northwest have any plans to you know address that at all as part of its organizing um absolutely it's it's an ongoing part of of what we uh and it's a lot of what i spend my time on um we are it's and it and it's a range excuse me everything from direct support for folks living outside, whether that's whether, and the QA village, for example, and and others, it's transportation, it's food, it's a tent, it's whatever it is, the need that's coming through. So we do, we do that. And we've done that for a long time. The other part of it is, for example, we're a founding member of this region's first LGBTQIA2S plus specific housing coalition to, to, to address this issue and to advocate and to be our, to be our community's voices with decision makers and, and electeds and all of these folks. Um, and to bring our collective roles to the table for uh, you know, like for strategic thinking, strategic planning, um, action taking, um, and we've been meeting for a little over a year, and and I have to say the group that's in the that came to the table in the beginning, it's Pride Northwest, Equi Institute, Trans Housing Coalition, um, Quest Integrative Health. Cascade AIDS Project. There are a couple of others that kind of come in and out. Black and Beyond the Binary has begun um, participating as well. Uh, In all of the years I've been here, I've never seen that particular group of organizations do anything in the same room together. So so that gives me hope. Um, But, you know, so there's a lot of work happening there for 
assessing our community's needs, accessing resources, engaging folks where they're at with lived experience because we, what we don't want to do is fall into the trap of we all have names behind us. And so we're going to be the ones to decide, you know, our, our whole goal is for the communities, mo- community people most impacted are we're opening a door, but we're not going to speak for, right. If that makes sense. So there's just a, there's a whole lot happening there. We spent a lot of time building relationships so that we could actually do work together. Uh, that's a big one. Think- do you think, Deborah? do you think that in Portland we have an LGBTQIAS plus um, community? Or do you think that people are kind of in their different silos? I mean, I, I'm from the South. I mean, I moved here from the South. And in the South, like, there was so little respect and rights for LGBTQ queer people that it was really common for queer people to kind of organize collectively. And I'm just wondering like, if we see that kind of happening in Portland or are there so many of us in Portland that people are kind of split up? I mean, is is there a community in the LGBTQ community? Um, I think there's both. Uh, I think we definitely have significant division within our community. Um, I don't think we've, done enough intentional work to 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 bridge those divisions which is part of what particularly in the coalition and each of us as organizations that's kind of where we're at of what what do the bridges look like let's how do we, how do we it's not just about how do we work together but how do we how do we lift each other up how do we build these relationships how do we strengthen each other to become even stronger, right? Um, and how do we break down these silos? Um, so I think it's both. I think we have community and I think we have a siloed community. It seems like the Pride Festival is a really great opportunity for that. I mean, for people to actually be part of community. But one of the things that maybe might be a, um, a barrier to some people really fully participating in the Pride Festival is the cost of booth fees. Um, are there any options for organizations or for individuals who want to get their message out and who want to participate but can't afford the booth fees? Um, I think it's something that I'd love to have a conversation about. The um, so one of the one of the greatest misperceptions about Portland Pride is that in Pride Northwest is that we make bank on the festival. Even the fees that we charge for an exhibitor space, for example, are less than what it actually costs us to put it on the waterfront. Um, And we've tried to keep them as low as possible and still pay for everything. So it's this there's a little bit of a, of a catch 22, like how do we, and we as an organization underwrite and sponsor a number of organizations, uh, queer specific, small nonprofit. Um, sometimes they have 501c3, sometimes they don't. Um, we, we carry the cost of, of a number of those ourselves. Um, really, the question is how do we how do we make it all happen in a way that is not financially prohibitive to anybody while also recognizing that how do we bring our collective financial power together to pay for it and then turn around and put money back into the community which is what we do with whatever it is that comes through the, through the gate um, so honestly, it's not an easy answer. Uh, mm. Trying to figure that out, really. Um, we we do have sponsors. We don't have any interest in the majority of pride expenses being paid for through sponsorship, because we have some lines there as well. It's it's not it's not healthy for all kinds of reasons. Um, same goes for 
you know, fees, donations, the gate, you know, there, there are, we average two out of about every seven people coming through the gate actually donating. Um, if we, if everyone coming through the gate donated mostly something, we could pay for the entire thing and still probably put $100,000 back into the community every single year after paying for everything. Um, that's the collectiveness, the collective power of pride that I think we sometimes miss as a, as a, an economic lift for the community. Uh, so I said a whole lot, but I still don't have the answer. Thank you. Uh, we're talking today with Deborah Porta of Pride Northwest about the Pride Festival. Again, Deborah, tell people when has the Pride Festival moved to this year? Uh, where can people find out about it and if they want to like register to march in the parade or if they want a booth how can they uh how can they get involved sure um so 2023 portland pride waterfront festival and parade will be held on saturday and sunday july 15th and 16th with the parade being on the 16th um the our event website is portlandpride.org you can go on there and sign up for uh, updates. Registration for exhibiting and for the parade will both open uh, the end of March. But if you wanna be on the list for updates, Carrie-Ann sends updates and, and helps folks get ready for registration and all of that. Sign up for the, for the on the list on the website and, uh, and that's the best way to stay connected for sure. That's great. Yeah, July 15th, 16th, that's like, right around when sand island opens up over at rooster rock so that's like a perfect perfect time to like do the pride festival nice wouldn't that be great if you ever did do you think you could ever do the pride festival out at rooster rock um i i don't know we'd have to like what does that look like that's the that's the nice thing about pride is what do we want pride to be what do we how how big can we how big can we actually get? And then, and by big, I don't necessarily just mean a single event kind of a thing, but how, how, you know, my, my dream is that pride in our community just take over the whole city. Yep. Yeah. Um, so is there a theme for the pride festival this year? Um, we do have a theme. It is, uh, and I knew you were going to ask me that we just, we're doing a, uh, a, a shirt design, uh, youth, artist design contest right now with it um and you know what it just went out of my head that's okay <laughs> uh, it, there is a theme Hi, this is Emma. Um, I am a co-host of Transpositive, and I'm also the current president of the board of directors here at KBOO. At KBOO, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Your friends at KBOO want to remind you that generosity has the same power. Join thousands of KBOO supporters from all around the world, and let's rally together to build stronger communities. If you can, just go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo to this number 44321. And thanks so much for your support of KBOO Community Radio. What about, is there uh, is there going to be a Grand Marshal this year? Have you chosen Grand Marshal yet? We haven't chosen yet. We have a couple of uh, invitations out that, you know, we're hoping will come back. And, uh, um, We'll announce as soon as we know that for sure. Um, I will say that our approach to Grand Marshal is really about celebrating community and lifting up. It's not so much about uh, bringing bringing a name to town, you know, which which really 
I know that may not make very much sense, but our, our focus is on bringing attention to our community. And that means that our grand marshal is reflective of, you know, we've had Glappen as our grand marshal, for example. We've had Latinx as our grand marshal, Latinx pride. Um, we've had the Portland Two-Spirit Society, you know. Um, our focus is really on utilizing that space to shine our spotlight on work happening in the community. What's the relationship this year going to be like with Pride and the PPB? Um, are the PPB going to be um, involved in the parade in any way this year, oh, like doing anything? Only doing their jobs, the traffic control kind of thing. Um, you know, as of 2019, uniforms and uh, armed officers have been prohibited from the Portland Pride Parade. Uh, as of 2021, that also included uh, exhibiting at the festival. So there will be, in order to hold any significant event downtown on Portland streets, we have to, you have to have for traffic control, et cetera, because they're the ones with the authority to make cars stop. Um, but that's their role is, is traffic control and helping us ensure that, um, that folks stay safe. But um, they do not march in the parade. What about, um, are there any performers or people that um, you already know this far in advance are gonna be kind of a, a big draw or maybe people wanna know about it um, for, the, for the festival? Um, not yet. We're in negotiations, and so we never get to say anything until somebody signs a contract. Um, and hopefully, we'll hear in the next couple of weeks. Actually, for we're for the for the headliners that we're talking to. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it's definitely too early. And that's exciting. Yeah, so people can maybe go to Pride Northwest if they want to find out about who's headlining. Oh yeah, who's yeah. Mm -hmm. that's definitely. Deborah, how many people normally, like how many people do you think you're expecting this year for the Pride Festival? Um, well, it's, I know in 2019, which was the last one in the before times, as we say, um, we estimate that we had about 65, 70,000 people come to the waterfront. Uh, the parade, 45,000 people on the streets. And, uh, you know, we're still in the process of coming back from COVID in, as, uh, in the event world, but I would estimate that we're gonna come pretty, there's nothing telling me that we won't come close to that for this year. Will there be any kind of a COVID policy? Will there be any policy about masks or vaccination uh, for this year's festival? Um, we're still, you know, obviously things change, et cetera. At this point, we're not planning to require proof of vaccination because the numbers tell us that we've hit that threshold well over the threshold of like how many people have been vaccinated. Um, we, we will make a decision about masks as we get closer, depending on what's happening. Right now, I anticipate strongly encouraging masking. Um, but we haven't made the decision to make it mandatory at this point. That could change, you know, this, the world we live in could be completely different tomorrow. Um, but we definitely don't anticipate the level of, of what we had in 2022 because we're in a different place this year. What about um, the role last year was uh, there, there was really a big, like push for getting more black indigenous and people of color involved as both uh, performers and um, in all aspects of pride. Is that continuing again this year? Oh yeah, that's a, that's a um, sort of a living philosophy for us. It's, it's not a one-time um, and that can look different depending on what's happening. Uh, but it's always, it's always a priority for us. And it's definitely part of our conversations from, you know, and we're talking about uh, from, not just about who's on the stage, obviously that's a big thing, but in our leadership, um, prioritization around placement in the festival, 
where do we where are we shining our spotlight who are we lifting up who are we centering that sort of thing um that's that's an that's an overall part of our planning great um what about the 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 parade itself the the, the parade it seems like it's getting longer and longer every year is there is there any like plans to speed it up this year and tell people to walk faster or something? <laughs> or that, maybe everybody uh, could go as fast as the dikes on bikes. I don't know. If it were only that easy. Um, you know, Portland Pride is, is you know, Portland, honestly, is not big enough for how large the Portland Pride could actually get. Portland Pride Parade could actually get if we let it. So we, we've um, we've got a couple of floating caps in place in terms of you know how many folks you can have in a contingent how many groups and we kind of monitor that as we go through the season so it 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 can move a little bit um the city of portland and the way that downtown is configured really impacts how large we can get because we can only interfere with so many bus lines or max lines we can only stop traffic traffic for this so long this kind of thing so we're, all these pieces are put together um and you know in all honesty people are going to stop in the middle of the parade and they're going to do a dance whether we want them to do a dance or not <laughs> mm -hmm. um so we do our best to to make sure that everyone, you know, because everyone has a certain amount of time that they're allowed to do all that. And so we do our best to encourage folks to move and this and that. Um, and sometimes the gaps in the parade isn't about how the parade is moving. It's because a max came and nobody could go for a minute or two. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, um, there's only, we try and walk a fine line between lots and lots and lots of rules and recognizing that part of the grandness of the Portland Pride Parade is that people get to bring who they are, you know, and, and there's only, we, we don't really want to be a massive nothing but rules mm -hmm. uh, organizer, <laughs> if that makes sense. Doesn't mean we don't have rules because at the end of the day, there's tens of thousands of people to try and keep safe. And that's, that's yeah. for one driver. Uh, so we, we try and balance stuff. Yeah. It seems like in the past, there used to be more um, floats. Do you think that there's, I mean, I know last year, it was the first year since the pandemic, but it didn't seem like there were that many floats last year. Do you think that that's just, is that part of a trend? Like is, is the Pride Parade having less floats nowadays no I, the trend is the other way um okay the two very specific things impact especially in 2022 one is um you know coming out of the pandemic or at least the closeness of the pandemic uh employees change organizers change new people are in charge you know and the the Putting together an actual float is is can be really daunting, right? Because the vast majority of anyone you see in the parade, no matter how big their banner is or no matter how big whoever they're with is, they're actually volunteering to do it. Like employees don't get paid to be in pride. So they're organizing, they're creating the, the floats, they're doing all these things. And so a lot of times it really comes down to the capacity of whoever that group is. The other thing specific to 2022, and it remain, we'll see the impact of 2023, is uh, inflation is really real. It is the the cost of doing a large event for us and for the people participating, trying to put together a float and all of that, is just through the roof compared to what it was. A couple of years ago or 2019 i mean it was just it was it's mind-boggling how significant some costs have gone up so that becomes a thing you know um yeah so we'll see how it goes in 2023 because people now have more time to get ready they have more time to get creative and hopefully more time to find resources to do whatever it is they want to do 
We've been talking tonight with Deborah Porta from Pride Northwest about the uh, Pride Festival, which has moved to uh, uh, to, to July this year. It's going is is that where it's going to be now? Is it going to permanently be in July? Uh, that's our intent. Uh, we will have to, in a couple of years, negotiate with the city to 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 ensure that that's what happens. But that's our intent. That's our goal. Um, we don't have a desire to go back to June because there's just there's it interferes too much with our goals as an organization. Great, thanks. And Deborah, if people would like to get involved in um, Pride Northwest or if they want to find out more about the Pride Festival, uh, how can they do that? Um, well, portlandpride.org is our event website. So if you specifically want information about registration and you know signing up, exhibiting and all that, go to that website and sign up for the, for the updates. Pridenw.org is our organizational website where you can find out the rest of our programming and access the podcast, sign up to volunteer or engage, et cetera, and, uh, and just go from there. Either one of those websites will actually get you in contact. Great. Deborah, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Transpositive. Thanks. Thanks. It's good to see you. I'm, I'm excited to be back again. Transgender people don't live here. I've never met anyone who's transgender. I swear I don't know someone who's transgender. Transgender and non-binary people like me hear this all the time. But according to the HRC Foundation, there are more than 2 million transgender people in the United States. We live in every community across this country. You might be surprised to hear that there are more transgender and non-binary people in the United States than there are. Starbucks, McDonald's, and Walmart locations combined. In fact, if you put us all together, there'd be more non-binary and transgender folks than the populations of DC, or Nebraska, or Maine, or Idaho, or West Virginia. As a matter of fact, 15 states have a lower population than the amount of trans folks in the U.S. So here are a few things to keep in mind. You don't always know when a person is trans. But we're your neighbors, your co-workers, your students, your customers, and even your friends and family. We exist in every culture, todas las culturas, throughout human history. And while we're more visible than ever before, sometimes you just don't see us. So when you hear about politicians pushing forward discriminatory bills, know this, these bills address problems that aren't even real. Problems that don't actually exist. But we do. 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 And we need your support. Hi, this is Emma. Um, I am a co-host of Transpositive, and I'm also the current president of the board of directors here at KBU. At KBU, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Your friends at KBU want to remind you that generosity has the same power. Join thousands of KBU supporters from all around the world, and let's rally together to build stronger communities. If you can, just go to kboo.fm slash give or text kboo to this number 44321. And thanks so much for your support of KBOO Community Radio.
FM, K282BH, Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR, Hood River on 91.9 FM. (laughs) 